welcome to the GNT Show. Okay, great. Welcome to the fourth episode of the GNT Show. I'm joined again by my host with the most, Jimmy G. How are you going this week, G? Not too bad. It's a bit been a bit cold and wet in Sydney, and the Rhone is back and ready to keep um, spreading, which is unfortunate. But I'm pretty good. Good, good. Another another massive week in the world of rugby league and sport, particularly as it deals with all the all the outtakes of the coronavirus and COVID nineteen and what the AFL is doing to try and keep their game going. The bubble starts in the NBA this week. The only constant in this world that doesn't change is Peter Volandi. <laughs> he just keeps going and going. He it doesn't stop. But yeah, quite a lot's happened. As a dog supporter, we've had our coach gone. There's been a new sponsor all of a sudden. COVID's come back. It's Indigenous round. Sonny Bill, he's coming back again. All right. Well, let's start with last week's game. We'll do a quick review of last week's games. Then we'll do a preview of this week's games. Uh, followed by, we've got a special third segment coming up this week around the Indigenous round and the jerseys and some of the, the impact the Indigenous players have had over the years on the game. So we'll start with round 11 of the NRL. The first game was the Eels versus the Tigers. That was a tough and willing game. Uh, I thought the Tigers hung in there for the first 30, 35 minutes. I was a bit nervous about this game as a Parramatta supporter because I thought Tigers, what, what, what Madge Maguire's got the Tigers doing is playing tough footy. If you don't aim up, you get dropped. And they don't have a lot of spark, although point scoring hasn't been their problem this year. But they just are a tough team to beat. Now, having said that, they'll probably still finish ninth at the end of the year. Oh, no, I think they'll make the semis this year. I think they'll sneak into the eight for the first time in a long time. I think they're tough enough, but they lack a bit of spark against the really good teams. They're missing something. I have a feeling I know what it is. I like Adam Dwehi at fullback, very skillful, tall, not quite fast enough. He was terrible on the weekend or on last Thursday. Um, before before it before he got injured, he 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 wasn't. He, it, I've seen I've seen a bit of West Tigers this year. I I think Adam Dwehi is a good player. Agree. I think he's a player looking for a position. I know he's playing fullback and he came to the Tigers to play fullback. I'm not sure his best position is fullback. And I just think Nathan Cleary wanted to build a very different team to the team that Madge Maguire wants to build. Some of the players that Nathan Cleary put on contracts, longer term contracts. Ivan Cleary, I think you mean? Uh, yeah. Ivan, his dad. Yes. Uh, he, oh, that's what I've heard. He's his dad. So Here's a rumor. Nathan's coaching the Panthers too. Is yeah, he? yeah. Well, he, he could be like Phil Gould. <laughs> Ivan has recruited players that I don't think suit the West, that suit the Madge Maguire system. So defensively, there are a few deficiencies there. I think they're just they're lacking a little bit of class against the top teams. I agree with that. That's uh, that's what I saw um, against Parramatta. Parramatta, like you said, they hung in there. They were tough. It was a very close game. But in the end, I just think the Eels had a little bit too much spark or sparky. A little bit too much sparky for the Tigers. I mean, my, my only other thing was terrible. Ter- I mean, he's thankfully he's okay, but the convulsions of of Michael Cheekam on the floor looked terrible. I'm glad he's okay. I'm glad he's okay. And, and, and our thoughts are wishing him a speedy recovery. That is two points I'd like to make on this game. I thought Norfoluma probably played his worst game in a while for West Tigers. He made, a, he made a, quite a few errors. There were times he came in when he should have stayed on the wing and times he stayed on the wing when he should have came in. So in addition to the errors, I thought it wasn't, it wasn't his best game that I've ever seen him play for the Tigers. Uh, and the only other thing I had to mention 
was really Sean Bloor and Nathan Brown. How good was it to see the the old pup and the young pup go at it and then shake hands at the end of the game? It was great. And I, and I thought it was really done in the right spirit and welcome to first grade, son. So very, very pleased with that. The only thing I remember is Blake Ferguson's put down. Oh, that was sensational, wasn't it? How did he do that? I th- Incredible. I, thought, I have no idea. It was amazing. I thought... I thought he dislocated his shoulder. <laughs> like, that's how... I would have given him the try anyway. Oh, hyperextended. Oh, stuff the knock-on. I mean, it, it's, it's a bit of a random number generator at the bunker at the moment anyway. So we should have given him the try. That was absolutely the greatest no-try ever. Absolutely brilliant. I couldn't believe how high... He, and the fact is he kept control of the ball, which is amazing. And stayed in. And even under the old rules, it would have been a try anyway. Without, you know, without having to touch the corner post. He didn't touch the corner post. The Eels, you know, they're, they're just humming along. They're looking good. We'll wait till the end of the season, but... They're beating who they're meant to beat, and they're really in the games against the real top sides of the Roosters and the Storm. They're right in there now. You know, come semi-time, if we get there, I think um, this year they've got a real shot. Last year was kind of feeling out process, getting to the semis, and then realizing we're a little bit away from true contention. This year, they've taken another step forward. They look sharp. They do. They look slim and sharp. You know, if we couldn't win it in 2001, I'm not sure when I'm going to be confident that we're going to win it again. As an Eels supporter, you probably will win it this year, but COVID will probably cancel any celebrations. <laughs> the luck of the Eels. I mean, I know that's a greater worry for society. The luck of the Eels fans over the last 30 years, that probably that's probably what's going to happen. I'd take it. I would. I'm a, I'm a massive Liverpool supporter. Uh, football is probably, even before rugby league, my first passion. We won it for the first time in 30 years this year as a red, and I can tell you, I am. I, it didn't matter to me that it was COVID or not. Okay, fair enough. And the the thing is, the only sad thing is, pre Bank West, if you know Para Stadium was still up there, the fans could um burn the stadium down like they did to Cumberland Oval. I think it's going to cost a bit more to replace it than it took to replace <laughs> now it's Cumberland probably a bit Oval, too expensive. Yeah. All right, let's move along to the next game: the Cowboys versus Manly. Uh, what did you think of this one? Quite a dry game. I think it's one of those games sometimes where you watch. It's like a martini? No, not that dry. You know, it's one of those games where I think Cowboys, they just didn't have the class that Manly had. And Manly, I felt, was always going to win the game watching it. I didn't really get much out of this game. I mean, you know, the, the Sea Eagles, sorry, were pretty solid. Some of their players looked good. Like Cade Cuss was really good. Danny Levi added a bit of spark. You know, Cherry Evans was good. They were always going to win watching it. I didn't feel like they were under any threat. So as a as a spectacle, it was just good to sort of watch it as a neutral to see some of the players, really. But as a game, I didn't really get too much out of this game. Kind of what I expected. This round for me, um, and we're going to talk about the Warriors and the Titans and the Cowboys are in this boat. For the first time in a long time, unlike the Broncos, I saw some real fight from the teams at the bottom of the ladder. Canterbury got up for a win. Cowboys, there was fight. Like, they could have rolled over in these games, but they didn't. So very solid performance by Manly. You beat who you need to beat and, you know, rack up the two points, move on. Okay, uh, moving along to the third game from last week, which was the Broncos Storm. I don't know, I mean, we, we haven't published the first three or four episodes here, but I don't know what more there is to say about the Broncos. They are a rabble. I keep on disagreeing with you on every unpublished episode. <laughs> Their forwards are very young. It's a physical game, and week to week, they just can't keep up. It's just not possible. It hasn't been possible in the past. Look, they're not performing greatly in defense. They're very poor, but isn't that what young players are like? One week, they tackle, and the next week, they miss tackles. No. <laughs> is my, no, no, no. This is an attitude thing that coaches lost the dressing room. They're not showing up. 
Uh, Their reads are wrong. Their turnstiles in defense. He's picking players out of position. By all reports, they don't understand the game plan. If you are rebuilding the club, and they've got some great young forwards there, Anthony Seabold isn't the coach to, to bring on those young forwards. There is something really wrong at the Broncos. I think you're, it's almost getting to the point where Anthony Seabold's position is untenable. You think it's that bad? You can't keep him on? Five-year contract? I know. Well, I wouldn't have given him a five-year contract, but they have conceded a lot of points. Let me give you the Broncos. Broncos lost 48 nil to the Tigers in round 10. Well, their four and against is minus 195. So basically minus 211 games. They, be- they beat the Dogs. Everyone beats the Dogs. I think um, our over 35s football team can beat the Dogs. They lost to the Warriors. They lost to the Titans. They lost to the Knights. What would you say if we um, dragged up a uh, Steelers Legends 13? Do you think that they'd lose to them as well? Illawarra Steelers. You're actually making my point here that as good as the Storm were and as good as Cam Smith was during that game, they really had a go until half time. Now, they were always going to get outclassed. I agree with that point. But you lose that game 20 to 8. They, they, they turned their toes up in the second half. I do agree with that. I think, you know, you get, they've been flogged quite a few times. Part of me does wonder, like, I think, is the expectation too high? Like, I mean, Tavita Pangai Jr. is young. Offahin is young. Payne Haas. Yes, he's a, he's a physical specimen and an incredible athlete, but he's 20 years old. Flegler's only just started. Those names, those names should not be getting towed by 40 points. Fair enough. I mean, Dearden, Croft, Coates is 18. Katoni Staggs is only young. Herbie Farnworth. Okay, maybe I agree with you. Maybe not 30 or 40 points every week, but, you know, I think the expectation that they're going to be winning is a bit high, though. No, I don't. I think the expectation's too high. No, I don't. I think... I think- they're meant to be. I, I think, in fact, it's the other way. Those players may not be as good as they think they are. Fair enough. It's an interesting view. I'm probably a little bit more, I guess, soft on some of the younger guys in terms of what my expectations are from them. I think they've got a lot of talent, and I think it might take them a year or two to kind of develop into better players or more consistent. The other thing I will say is Anthony Milford. I agree with Greg Alexander. Anthony Milford is a disaster at the moment, and he has been for weeks. He needs to be dropped. You know, but how much of it is his game was predicated at Canberra in, in his early days on amazing agility and explosiveness and speed, and he just has none of that anymore. So, But he hasn't really developed anything else. I'm not sure he's a first grader at the moment, the way he's playing. But then again, they don't really have much else, do they, at the moment? Well, but if you're going to rebuild, then that's fine. Chuck the kids in and put a coach in who's got a track record of bringing along kids. He didn't, he didn't get appointed. He got appointed out of Souths to bring the Premiership, not to rebuild. Oh, that's a bit silly. Well, no, Wayne Bennett took them to a grand final. And he, were they seventh or eighth, I think, under Wayne Bennett's last year? They've, 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 gone, back, they've gone backwards under Anthony Seabolt. There is no way to avoid that. Okay, that's a fair point. I think that's, that's probably a fairer point in that they've gone backwards. For Melbourne, I mean, what is there to say, really? They're just a machine. Turn up every week, play to 90% every week. And if any team's off their game, they literally flog anybody in front of them. So, and what I what I really like about Melbourne though is they they have a sprinkling of youngsters, people you know getting a fair shot at first grade, probably like Brenko Lee, who's unfortunately um, out, broken hand. You know Jerome Hughes, all these type of guys, but a few youngsters starting to come through the squad as well. But but just they never let up. Like that was an easy game that they could have won, right? And probably switched off like a lot of teams would have at the end. But they just keep on piling on the points. They don't they, they don't let up. I started the year. I didn't really rate Jerome Hughes, um, nor did I really rate Brandon Smith. 
But having said that, with Cam Munster there, with Cameron Smith there, and Ryan Pappenhausen, who's been absolutely bloody amazing at fullback, I think Jerome Hughes is doing exactly what they need him to do. Pappenhausen is a good example of Melbourne in that if he is probably at any other club, I don't think he gets a run because of his size. And I genuinely believe that. I think an example is Jai Field, who's now signed on with Para. Great pickup by the Eels for depth. But he was literally languishing around waiting for a club. And he's very similar to Pappenheisen. Small, skinny, incredibly quick, great on his feet. Kind of a touch footy player, the old Benji Marshall. Size-wise, no one wanted to touch him. So, Are you talking about Ryan Pappenhausen or Timmy T? I'm talking about Jai Field at the, mo- at the moment. Um, but, you know, Melbourne's picks up players that other teams cast off and develops them and makes them into great first graders. So. I think that's what I've done here with this podcast. I'm like Craig Bellamy and you're like Dale Finucane. Showed promise elsewhere, but I've but I bought, I bought you in and now you're a first grader. Well, does Melbourne have any ball guys? I don't, I don't know if they are. <laughs> On the cusp of retirement. So They're too young. These <laughs> footy players are too young. No one's going bald yet. We need um, a Stephen Bell or... Someone like, someone like that that's Bell. going bald very Stephen young. Stephen Bell, if anyone is listening to this that is under the age of 40, they're going to have no idea who you're talking about. Google him. Look him, look him up. All right. Um, let's go. Let's move along to the next game. So the Warriors versus the Roosters. What did you think of this one, G? Similar to the Manly and Cowboys game. You know, um, one of those games where you're kind of watching. They showed up, right? The Warriors showed up. The Roosters just too good. They stayed with them for a while, right? So I thought the Warriors did a tremendous job here. They were they were really, really competitive. And they're in a really tough spot, right? It was the last game before four or five of them went back to their families in New Zealand. Yeah, very hard. Very hard to deal I with. Know, I know Para lent them a couple of players. So that was that was really good of Para. And these guys are doing a tremendous job in an extremely difficult situation. And I thought they, they really showed up. Against, against the Roosters. So if they could show that grit and that effort every week, they'll be in good stead once the competition returns to normal, whenever that might be. That's all you can kind of ask for at the moment, considering they've been away from their families as well. I think um, it's a tough ask on, on New Zealand. So And what do we think about Sonny Bill rejoining? I've got a few opinions here. He's old now for... Rugby league. I mean, he's going to be 34, 34, 35. 35, and he's and he wasn't any. It, it's a different sport physically to rugby union. There, you have you have to be fitter, and the demands on the body, the impact you're taking is a lot harder. I think it'll take him a while to adapt, but I don't think he's going to be. I think he'll be playing off the bench, playing 20, 25 minutes a game. By all accounts, what he provides in the locker room will be invaluable. But the point I want to make about Sonny is, even though I'm a Paris supporter, I always love Sonny Bill Williams. Oh, he's he's basically the most complete player that I've seen in 20 years, even though it was a short period. Have a teenager throwing around fully grown men, but it was not just his superhuman natural strength. It's just his agility. His, his spatial awareness was really great. He, and he could win a game with defense as well as attack. He was, he's, a, he's an amazing player. Amazing. Does he know about your crush on him? Is he aware of that? Perhaps he'll listen to the podcast and, and, and work it out. I don't know. Maybe um, Sonny Bill, I think, did, they did say he moved to you know Oatley in the St. George area a while back, so at least before he went off to New Zealand. So maybe he's back. Sonny, if you're listening, I would avoid the Oatley area for the fact that Jimmy G 
may 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 be may be coming up to you with a, in the coals or or whatever else. I, can we just get over the fact that they want their privacy protected? Can we just publish the salaries for the NRL players? I mean, this is I get people want to join the Roosters, and in this particular instance, if Sonny doesn't join the Roosters, I don't think he comes back to rugby league because of his relationship with Nick Politis and Trent Robinson and all those sorts of things. So I do think it's good for the game that he's back in, but. We've got to get rid of the innuendo around the the salary cap, the the, the salary sombrero as it's called for the Roosters. Which just publish the salaries that they're on the books for. And yes, yes, it's going to be noisy for the first two weeks, three weeks, month, season. But after that, like the American sports, it opens up a new line of debate for the teams. Look, we've had this discussion in the past, and you know what I feel about this. I think the whole salary cap situation is an utter farce, and it has been for a long time. And if we go back even 20 years, if you think about that, the teams that have been caught personnel-wise, objectively speaking, not after the fact, you know, based on performance, there's probably six, seven squads that had far better players, players of a higher profile, higher reputation, that would have been on a lot more money that somehow some of these teams seem to be under the cap or manage their cap in a little bit um, of a better way. You know, it, it's really questionable. And I mean, watching even Fox on the weekend, the pregame show between the Dogs and Newcastle, there was a bit of a, a running joke and it's been a common theme over a number of years where they make jokes about the salary cap and the bag man and all this other kind of stuff. And it's just, in a way, I feel like as a fan, it's taking the piss. The leagues, they're making inside jokes about salary caps and payments and we're expected to think that this thing has any integrity i agree it needs to be published and then you can have debates about whether they look legitimate or not or whatever they may be but at the end of the day the nudge nudge wink wink needs to end and um, we, we we should do a podcast about this in particular i'm very um opinionated on some of this stuff so um we'll move on should we should we give you a platform to express your opinions on sunny bill williams I think he'll, you know, people are skeptical, but I think he'll add something to the Roosters. They do have some injuries. He just adds a bit of nous, a bit of class, and a bit of extra skill to their forward pack, which I think they actually are missing a little bit. They've got good runners, players that play hard, you know, run hard, tackle hard, but he adds a little bit of class in that back row, and I think he'll hold his own. I mean, no one's really backed up since the Super League war when the Broncos went, depending on your view, went back-to-back. And before that, it was the 92-93 Broncos. I think it's really hard to back up. They've had an extraordinary run with injuries. This year, it's been tough for them with injuries. So I think bringing someone back like Sonny Bill, he might give them just the impetus to give them one last push. But And I think they're doing it from within, but there's got to be a regeneration of this Roosters squad because they're not going to be... I'm not sure you can keep this level of intensity up forever. I mean, they're doing a great job of it. With some of the injuries, I think they've come back to the pack a little bit, but they're still one of the three or four teams that you know are up there. But I think they can be beaten this year. As we've said previously, I think there's four or five teams that are really great. And I, then I think the drop-off is the great unwashed. There's there's 10 teams that are actually not very good this year. Oh, there's probably about three or four teams that are washing, you know, on a regular basis. So so who have you got there? Who have you got there that's that's not in that drop-off? Well, you've got teams like the Tigers that we've talked about. They can't win the comp, though. And there's substantially a class below... Roosters, Canberra, Para, Melbourne, Penrith. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I and I think and I think Newcastle was there or thereabouts pre-injuries. I mean, they've they've had a lot of injuries this year, Newcastle, and I think they'll probably they'll struggle a little bit to maintain the rage from this point. 
they'll struggle now. But, you know, teams like Newcastle were kind of fighting for the back end of the eight. The Tigers, the Sharks with their up and down performances will be at the back end of the eight because they're still a decent side. Manly is another one. So there's probably four or five that are hanging around the eight. And beyond that, like you said, it's just none of the teams are any good, I don't think. Not this year. I think there's three groups. The contenders are clearly contenders. There's a group of sort of semi-type of teams. Well, I, I don't disagree with that, but I, I, I think it's that first group. There's daylight in second place. Then I think there's daylight in third place. I think there's daylight in fourth place. And then in fifth place is the next group you're talking about. And then there's daylight again times five. And then in 10th place is that last group. So there's a big gulf between the teams. And speaking of our favourite Rocks and Diamonds team, the, the Cronulla Sharks versus the St. George Illawarra Dragons. What, what, do you, what, what do you say about this game? Now, first it was... It was great to watch. Saints, then, then Cronulla came back and then Saints went into halftime with the lead and then Cronulla in the second half overran them. Oh no, Saints came back, didn't they? Yeah, look, there was some good footy. I enjoyed watching this game. You just don't know what you're going to bloody get from this from this Cronulla team. No, I mean Saints got very unlucky, really, not to win the game oh, at, the... at the end. Kind of centimeters in it. Matt Dufty just. I mean, that's probably one instance where if he was, you know, a little bit taller, he probably would have gotten to that ball with his hands a little bit easier. But they they well, the bunker should have won wrong. the game at the end. The bunker got the try wrong. Yeah, grounding the ball of Dufty. Yeah, Matt Dufty grounded the ball clear as day on the bunker. Oh, yeah, that one. It looked like he cleared it. He grounded it. But then they said, you know, the Cronulla player got to it probably simultaneously. But, but okay, so, you know, I mean, that call was obviously wrong. But the thing is, you can't go back to, you know, minute number 28 and say, hey, if we didn't score then, then we would have won the game. For me, I can't understand why Paul McGregor hasn't had Matt Dufty in the side from the beginning. And again, it goes back to, I think he's small, but he's their most dangerous player and he gives them so much spark, it's unbelievable. He's basically been the Dragons for the last... In attack, he's been fantastic. You know, I think Matt Dufty's a net positive, but I think he's he's almost like an... Which NBA? He's like Lou Williams. Yeah, so in the NBA, Lou Williams, great sixth man, comes out, can score you 35, 40 points, but... His plus minus is probably only plus two because he's conceding just just thirty eight points on the defensive end. And I think so. Does Matt Dufty break the bubble and visit <laughs> strip know. clubs as well? I don't or? know. I don't think Sonny Bill would do that. So and and what they can't see, what the listeners can't see, is the 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 men of league calendar you've got behind you with Sonny Bill as Mister June. I, I believe I'd call him Mister September. That's how good he's been in the semis. Right, fantastic. All right, well, up and down. Listen, I stand by my original comment. The Dragons are playing better, but I still don't think Mary McGregor can coach. Uh, I, <laughs> he's he really his his team selections and some of the things that he does uh, in the preparation of the team, I think, are are questionable. Um, I know he's a legend of that club. I know he's a legend of that club. And and you know what? When you see him post match, I think he bleeds for that jersey. So it's really hard to say, but. He's absolutely favoured some veterans when he should have blooded some young kids. Uh, what the, the winger Jason Saab. Jason Saab? He's he's had basically had to threaten to leave to get a game. Interesting. I just think the the, the you know I just uh, they're 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 a team that I think could do with some fresh thinking and a different coach. Right? It took him forever to move Ben Hunt to hooker. I, I actually think Cameron McInnes is a better hooker than Ben Hunt. 
but but you're paying one point two million dollars a year, so you got to find you better you better bloody find a place for. You know, McGregor's defence, he had to play Hunt. I mean, let's be honest, the contract does matter. Adam Clune is like, but he is he, is a good selection. He killed it in New South Wales Cup last year. He's an organising half, and so that's exactly what they needed next to Corey Norman, or the other side of the ruck to Corey Norman and get the team around the park. I just think he got dragged kicking and screaming to make these changes. So I think he's very loyal to the players. He is that have been that have been loyal to him. And I just wonder whether I just wonder whether Saints need someone from outside of the St George family to coach them. I think they do. Um, and look, loyalty goes both ways, you know. The players sometimes will dig in and have a real go. And it's hard not being involved and having that emotional attachment to the players and seeing them develop and work with them year on year. It's easy to say, oh, this person should get dropped and that person should get dropped. But, you know, if I'm in the same position, maybe I'm like, you know, Mary McGregor and think to myself, well, this guy's done it in the past. They'll come good. Mary's bald. He is bald. I'd probably end up with a team of Nathan Blacklocks, though. So I don't think we'd coach the same. Matt, Matt Dufty, Matt Dufty would have been in the team from the beginning. And I think, like you said, kicking and screaming, he threw him, threw him in there as a last resort and he's ended up saving his job to some degree. And and Zach Lomax was really good. And Zach Lomax has been good for the last it's coming few good. weeks. coming good. Yeah, I agree. Youngster, starting to play more, starting to get more experience, confident, more confident. He's a good player, Zach Lomax. Um, I like the Sharks too. I think with William Kennedy at the back, they look a lot sharper. Let's go to the Raiders and Rabbits. Okay, the Raiders and Rabbits are next. Uh, this was a tough game. Bruce Stadium, as it used to be called, GIO Stadium now. Hard place to go in winter, at night, to play a game. I know the weather was mild, but it's not an easy place to go. It's funny, right? When you're younger, you think, what's the big deal when you're a 16-year-old watching the footy back into Canberra at night? You get older and you're like, God, that's the worst thing. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, you're right. Jack Johns made his debut, Matty Johns' son. I, th- I thought he did okay. Solid debut, first game. Yeah, solid debut. 31 tackles, 80 attacking run metres, 20 post-contact metres. Solid debut. It was funny watching, they were making fun of Matty Johns up in the um, commentary box, but you could see how nervous he was watching his son Of course it would play. be his son, his son playing. The funny thing is, he's like twice his size, so what happened there? Well, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe he <laughs> takes after his dad, Andrew. <laughs> uh, the other twin. And the Raiders, um, pretty impressive actually. Pretty impressive. They've been good the last few weeks. I think I think they're coming good. I think Jack Whiten is really aiming up. You know, Jack Whiten is probably the closest thing I've seen to Laurie Daly. He's bigger than Laurie Daly was, but Laurie Daly could put a shot on, right, in defence as well. He was a real, oh, yeah. he was a real presence. So, you know, they're not quite the same player, but, but I do think there are, and you, you kind of need to be our age or older to remember Loz, but there is a similarities in the way they play. Interesting. I wouldn't have picked that. He's taller. He's taller and stronger than Loz, but the game's changed as well. Laurie, I think that's what it is. It's the he's uh, the way he's built is different. The so way he's probably... but the way he plays is similar. He's a big hit. He can put a big hit to charge that fires up the team when they need it. He's a runner. He's a good runner. He is. He used to be the full. He started off a fullback. Remember? So and they blooded him. And a lot of people forget Loz could actually kick the ball too. You know, I think there's more similarities there than sometimes people give credit to. So I think he's a great player. Can I ask you a question, just going back to the Rabbits for a second? Adam Reynolds. Let me ask you about Adam Reynolds. Alexandria Rovers, Adam Reynolds, his junior club. If we're not careful, Adam Reynolds is not going to fulfill his potential. I think he is in such a rut in terms of running the football. 
He looks so much better when he runs the football and makes the defense think twice. His kicking game is unbelievable. He's as tough as nails, but for him to hit the outs, you know, and I think we're a competition at the moment that's got a lot of very, very good halves, but not uh, transcendent half at the moment. And for Adam Reynolds to, and I think Adam Reynolds is very good, but I think for him to develop and reach his potential, he needs to threaten the line more. Agree in entirety. It's the same thing. You watch him play. He's brilliant at kicking. Goal kicking is brilliant. He's tough. He guides the team around. But he doesn't run. And the thing is, in the past, when he has run and tried to take on the line, he's got a bit of a step and a little bit of pace. But he needs to add that to his game now because I don't think South has the strike that they had three or four years ago. And it just gives them a little bit, something a little bit different. You can guide them around, sure, but the the defense has got to think you got to run. You got to run. I agree. I I just think otherwise they slide off you, right? Yeah, correct, correct. So, well, they just they just know the kick's coming. So he's very predictable. Anyway, all right, let's move to the deluge games on Sunday. Ah, the yeah, the fun stuff. The fun stuff. So the, the I I actually really enjoyed both these games. It was great to see where, where the footy. Before the game, I think I did say to you that I thought, given the conditions, the dogs were a real chance to win, and I thought they would win. And it proved to be the case. They, the Knights, had several injuries during the game, which which affected them. Terrible injuries, actually. Terrible injuries. Like, Season ending for Connor Watson, or maybe career ending with an Achilles. Connor Watson has got a really good agility to his game, the step and ability to swerve, and you know um, his skill. And you wonder how that the Achilles is going to impact his game when he comes back. Our thoughts and prayers are with him. Let's hope it's not career ending. And Andrew McCulloch, who's only on loan for this season anyway from the Broncos. Terrible injury. I don't know who they're going to get to play hooker. Now, they're, they're, there's, there's been whispers this week they've got a really good young hooker in the junior. I'll throw in a young hooker, yeah. But that they are undermanned. Um, and, and I thought the dogs were pretty good. I, you know what? I think the dogs have been pretty good under Steve George Arliss. Um Better is probably the word that I'd use. They're closer to their potential now under Steve George Arliss. I know it's only been two games, but they've been in both games. We've said this over the last few weeks. I don't think they've got the cattle, and I think it's been mismanaged. The recruitment's been mismanaged. Everything's been mismanaged there. You don't have any more juniors. Given all of that, though, I think at their best, they could be in that second tier of clubs that you mentioned earlier. At least Steve George Alice is getting them closer to that. I have to agree with that. They they have looked better. There's better use of some of the players, but the more you, you look at the team and the more they play, you kind of see some of the holes that the club has. Can I just say, this is where stats don't play a role either. Dylan Napa ran for 164 metres, 50 post-contact metres, made 23 tackles. I don't think he's had much of an impact for you guys this year. You know, the eye test is interesting there. With Dylan Napa, I've always relied on the eye test. I think he was a a bully playing for the Roosters who were a fantastic side. I think he could stand out and the team would hide his flaws. He He's tough, tough as hell, but he gets tired re- pretty easily. For, for a football player, his stamina is obviously amazing, but he gets tired a lot. He jogs back. He leaves holes in defense. It's more prominent now because he's not playing in a good side. And I don't think he's really developed from when he first came in, when he was sort of this tough, cocky, young forward, trying to put on the big hits. It's kind of still the same. He hasn't really gotten better. Just call me Big Puppy. 
Oh, we all. Yeah, so I thought Aiden Tolman was immense for the dogs, though. I thought he was really good. You know, he does all the nitty-gritty stuff and the dirty stuff that no one really notices unless you're really watching the game. It's Nothing's flashy, except for he seems to be the fourth tackle playmaker, which has been the case for a number of years. Don't ask me why. <laughs> but it's just, a, if you watch any game over the last four years, he seems to get the ball under the post for on the fourth tackle. But... He's always the first forward back after a break. He covers up a lot of things. It's just stuff you don't notice unless you're really paying attention. And I think he's far more valuable than he appears. And he, the other thing you notice, he's got the Melbourne about him. He makes a tackle. You see him sort of nudge the guy to turn him towards the other end of the post or to flip him over. You know, he sort of goes down to try and get the quick play of the ball. You can still see that coaching that he got from Bellamy in Melbourne when he first came in. It's really interesting when you watch him. Good win, doggies, and and so let's move along. Let's move along to our last game. Uh, let's not dwell on the dogs. No, what is that? We won. That's it. Yeah, there's yeah, nothing else to dwell on. Second win of the season. So well done, well done, Bulldogs. Um, but you are in. The, you are where you should be on the ladder. So that's also good and and reassuring. So which is last? So we're going to get the ire of all the doggies supporters, which you, you are one. Panthers-Titans is the last game. Titans were willing. I thought the Titans tried really hard. I thought Jamal Fogarty was... That's probably the best best game I've seen him play in first grade. Jai Arrow was quite good, although he may have the worst haircut in the history of the NRL. No, but we're going to get back to haircuts in a little while, so keep on, <laughs> keep on going. So other than that, though, they, they presented themselves. I think this is the type of game that, that uh, the Panthers just had to win, right? I uh, just... Uh, you know, they, they were clinical. The Titans hung in there as best they could, but I thought the Panthers were very professional performance. I think that sums it up. They, you know, you kind of wonder with some of these teams, like the Panthers that are on a bit of a hot streak, they do, again, have a lot of young guys or I, I guess people, a lot of players that are not overly experienced in first grade. They've got a few that are, but in general, they don't. You wonder if, you know, the confidence occasionally switches off, but it was a professional performance. They Played well, were solid, they did what they had to do, they still looked dangerous, and the Titans challenged them for a while, but they they got the win. And I think they're really starting to round out into a tough side, and I love the way they play footy. What I noticed in this game is they got playmakers across the park, and they all play confidently in passing the ball, passing the ball before the line, like and like passing... How can I say fluidly? You know, you watch some of the other teams that have a forward run up and it kind of looks like he's, you know, grabbing a watermelon with his big bulky biceps and trying to pass the ball. It looks weird. A medicine ball. They're, they're, very, they're a very fluid and athletic team and they all pass. They can all pass the ball. They're, they're fantastic. I think they're very, very dangerous. They're playing with the confidence and enthusiasm of youth. That was the, That is the way I would describe them. You summed up um, what I was yeah, trying to say before. So I think that's what it is. Just remember, and if Sonny Bill's listening, don't move to Oatley. So <laughs> I'll see you on the mean streets of Oatley, Sonny. All right. Welcome back to segment two, uh, where we're going to preview the upcoming games in round 12 of the NRL. James, first game's up. The dra- This is a really tough game for me to, to pick and predict what's going to happen here. Because the Dragons have been playing better. It's the Dragons Rabbitohs. The Rabbits are a little bit vulnerable. Although what I will say is that Wayne Bennett coach teams do have a mid-season slip usually. And the reason being is he tries to get them to taper off towards the finals. 
So he puts a lot of run in their legs mid-season. And you can you can look that up in the Daily Telegraph and the SMH going back years and years and years. So the it happened with the Broncos, happened with Saints. Uh, Newcastle was a different problem, as Nathan Brown so famously commented. You know, So I do think he is trying to get them ready just to have a run finals time. I think Wayne Bennett's pissed by all the speculation around his future at the club and, club and all the rest of it. The, dra- the Dragons, for me, have been playing well, better the last few games. Home ground advantage almost doesn't exist. So I actually think this will be a closer game than, than many people think. What, what, what are your thoughts on the game? I think the Dragons are starting to play a lot better. They're more dangerous. Their issue wasn't getting flogged. It was more they just couldn't score points. They looked a little bit lethargic in attack. And that started to improve since Dufty's come back into the side. He had speed spark. He can pass. Some of the youngsters are getting better, like Lomax. Probably going to go with the Rabbits this week, though. I think it will be close. And I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if the Dragons do win. But I think Alex Johnson moving back to the wing... And Latrell Mitchell back at fullback will make the difference for the Bunnies. And that's because I think Alex Johnson is a, a brilliant winger. I think he's a solid fullback, if that makes sense. He makes the team far more dangerous in attack with his speed out wide. But at fullback, I think um, with Latrell Mitchell adding some more danger, and he's a lot more involved in the play, I think it'll make the difference this week. Alex Johnson, for me, he does go missing for big swathes of the season. Now, for Alex Johnson... And and rumor has it they wanted they wanted to offload him to save some money to 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 bring the kid in Sualu. Now they're 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 thinking otherwise about Alex Johnson. I, look, I I'm not as high on Alex Johnson as you are. He needs to get involved more for me. When he does, he's better. I think he's someone who if he makes an error early in the game, his confidence wanes and he goes hiding from the ball a little bit. So I do agree with you. I don't think he's a fullback. Wing is his it's his place. He's a great. He's a very good finisher. He's got good hands and then, you know, he's not expected to be in the play all the time. I think it kind of suits him a lot more. And I think Latrell Mitchell provided he comes to play and Liam Knight coming into the Rabbitohs makes a difference. Having said that, some of the ins for Saints with the Sims brothers, Tristan Saylor and Jordan Pereira are also good. I I think what's going to swing this for me though, the the bit that I think is is probably making me lean towards the Rabbit is Adam Clune's out. So Ben Hunt's been moved back to halfback and Cameron McInnes moves into his natural role at hooker. That's the halves combination that didn't work, Corey Norman and Ben Hunt. So uh, admittedly, they got Matt Dufty in the side that'll give them another option and Zach Lomax is playing well when they're attacking. But um, I just I just wonder how the, how those players are feeling about, about back playing together and whether they're down a little bit on confidence. I mean, looking at this... Saints team, and we said this earlier in the season, looking at the starting lineup, this team should be doing better. This is my point around Mary. Matt Dufty, Jordan Pereira, Ewan Aitken, Zach Lomax, Ravalawa, Corey Norman, Ben Hunt. That's the back line. Yeah, but I've always been of the thought that, you know, Saints are a media darling of a side, and whoever sort of comes up through their team is always the next state of origin rep. So I think a lot of the time there's a lot of expectation placed on some of their youngsters and it results in higher expectations than I think sometimes they're the talent of their teams over the years. I disagree a little bit. I look at that team and I go, and you got in the forwards, it's Blake Laurie, Cameron McInnes, Paul Vaughan, Tyson Frizzell, Tarek Sims and Jackson Ford. Um, other than Jackson Ford, 12 out of those 13 players are really good first graders. That That is a team 
that shouldn't be towards the bottom. They should be maybe not towards the top. Maybe they're not as good as the top five teams, but they they certainly should be challenging for the top eight. I, I see what you mean. So probably a team like Manly, where you kind of know that they're going to be in the eight, and they're one of the better teams. That's, that's the- right. And and I think Manly with Tommy Turbo is is great. Yeah, is a great is a great side, right? So the problem is. The way Desi plays, we've discussed this before, is heavily reliant on having a great fullback, whether it be Brett Stewart, Ben Barber. Uh, so, so you know, Tommy Turbo plays a really critical role for the way Desi likes to play footy. I, I, yeah, I just think that team should be doing better, in my opinion. So, okay, well, moving along to the Tigers versus the Warriors is the early game on Friday night. I think for this one, I think the the, the Tigers will get up if they keep playing the way they, they did the last few weeks. Russell Packer is out. I don't know whether he's injured or has been dropped. I think that's a good move. I don't think he's been great. I've got to be honest with you. I know he's on big money there, but I don't think he's been fantastic. The Parramatta boys go straight in. Daniel Alvaro and George Jennings. There's a whole host of other changes there. Unless Roger Tuivasa-Shek, and he's capable of this, just just grabs the game by the scruff of the neck, then I I can't see the Tigers losing this. In favour of the Warriors is after your devotion to Sonny Bill Williams, the next player on your list of devotion to, Cody Nikarima. Cody Nikarima, in your eyes, is Wally Lewis and Andrew Johns and Arthur Beetson combined. That's how much you love him. Well, not really, because he's not bald, but he's stocky and has great skills. So, okay, Andrew Johns and Arthur Beetson I can take. I don't think I don't think Wally was bald when he was playing, was he? Later half. I just love watching him play. He's skillful. He's he sees the game really well. He's another one of my man crushes. I'm on Nicarima Island, and I think in a better side, he'd make a huge difference. I think he's he's struggling to fire that Warriors team up, and they just don't have the the players. Like I look at Peter Hiku, for example, great skill, tough, probably. Eight kilos overweight. I'm not as high on Cody Nikarima as you are. He's better than the options the Broncos have got. Exactly. Thank you. Can I just also say Alex Twell might be the most underrated forward in the game. Good player. Good player. What is interesting is Chris Lawrence back in the centres, I've noticed, the last couple of weeks. Why do you think that is? Good. I'm glad you brought this up. I think it's an interesting change in the game. I think you just need someone that's tough, solid, has enough speed and strength out in the centres. And you don't need that strike center that's going to bust the line and run. You don't. You don't need a. Well, that's the thinking, right? But then if I look at the really good sides, or at least a couple of them now, it's a bit of a mix, isn't it? The Roosters have got Morris, who yeah, is still quite fast, but strong, big center. Centers are typically in the modern day the lowest paid position in the back line. The the most important thing for a center in the modern game is is what they are out there to do most is their reads in defence and their tackling. They're almost like a back rower. So I think Chris Lawrence has been brought in to toughen up their edge defence. I don't think he's there to be a ball player. If he get if he gets the ball, all he's got to do is get it out to his winger and just don't miss tackles and make the right reads in defence. If he does that, he's, he's, he's a great role for them. I, I think the modern role of most centres is the Matt Cooper mould. As in being a model part-time. Make your tackles, make your reads in defence, <laughs> and whatever we get from you in attack is a bonus. I think you're right. and You see it in most sides. I think, you know, Nirvana is having, 
you know, a Stephen Crichton, for example, that might develop into incredibly solid defensively, but then he's incredibly dangerous in attack as well. Did you see how much Moses Zim buys on during the week, the top 100 players? Isn't it $800,000? Yeah, he got signed for 800000 He was going to get picked as, you know, the next State of Origin star for Queensland. It makes, you know, that was kind of the going rate. The, the funny thing about Moses Mbai is he used to be almost sprinter-like with his speed, and now he makes a break and gets run down after 60 metres. It's He's slowed down a lot. Well, he's, he's another one who's bulked up though, right? He has, yeah. And I think that's to have him in the centres. But I do think that the Tigers look better with him at fullback. And I think Adam Dwayhe would be better off at 5'8". But I don't know if they have a centre to take Moses and Bai's spot. Uh, I, so I agree with you. Adam Dwayhe's position is in at fullback. But I actually think, given how tough he is... He might actually... And, and look, if you ask the Tigers fans, they say he's been great this year, except for that game on the weekend. So I, I wonder I wonder if... I, want, yeah, I wonder if long-term, he isn't the prototype for the for the next-gen centre. Good tackler, reads the game, gives you a bit in an attack. I don't know whether he's got the size for it. I don't know whether he's got the size for it. The skill set could be interesting in the centres. I think if people had roaming centres, like in some of the older days, I think he'd be great at that position because I think he needs to have the hand, his hands on the ball. He can pass. He, he, he sees the game quite well. He can kick. He, he's quite a skillful player and he's lost a bit of pace since he did his knee that year at the Rabbits. He was out for a long time. He's just... You know, when you've got players that aren't incredibly speedy, they they get a serious injury and it takes away what little pace is obviously relative, but, you know, it gives them, it, they just lack a little bit of spark and it brings them back a little bit. I think that's what's happened to Dwayne here to some extent. But good player, I think the Tigers will win. All right, the, the Broncos and the Sharks, this could be anything. This could be 78 nil to the Sharks or it could be the Broncos winning 13-12. You, you could... You could you I could convince me of either, depending on which Sharks team and which Broncos team turns up. I think the Sharks were very lucky. They turned it on for a while and lucky to sneak away from the, the Dragons last week. This week, the Sharks, like I said, I think with William Kennedy getting more comfortable, he adds a lot of pace and skill, which they, they've been missing. Skillful Ramian, Sean Johnson, another He's one of my um, bro crushers. Yes, he's no, he used to be first. I don't know. He's, he's fighting for top spot. I think they're just... They've got too much talent, experienced talent. But I like some of the, the Broncos players. I like watching Xavier Coates, Herbie Farnworth. I like Herbie Farnworth too. Kind of fiery. He's got good skill speed. I like him. And Katoni Staggs. I like his I like his moustache. He's, oh, he's had a great moustache since he started. He seems to have gotten noticeably bigger in the... Like around the chest, and you're aware this is a football podcast. Katoni Staggs would be my Mister Mister February. Can I just say, Aaron Woods? He's looking more and more like your next door neighbour. He's he's just he's just looking like he's slowly. Oh my god, you would. He looks like the bloke. He's he looks like the bloke when your lawnmower breaks down. That's willing, you know. Hey, hey, Aaron, do you mind if I borrow your lawnmower? Yep, sure, mate. Here you go. I got one. Um, I have a spare one in the garage. He's got the gut, the beard, and the hair receding. I just think it's. A, I think he's been overrated too. He plays his two hundredth game this weekend. So, uh, but solid first grader. He's he's not a state of origin or an Australian prop. I mean, he did play some. He did play some great games in Origin. You know, people can raise their game once or twice. It's- can I just say, Wade Graham might be the best player on that field on the weekend. I like Wade Graham, and I think he he's he's a leader of that team. And Wade Graham's the type of player I'd love to have him on my team. Came in a little bit early for Penrith. I think they pushed him a little. Well, bit he was seventeen early. by his own um, admission during the week. He he really sort of took a, a while to find his feet properly in 
but he's a good player. I like him. All right, we'll move along to the next game. Uh, the Roosters versus the Titans. The Roosters are $1.05 favourites, which which is incredibly short odds. Sportsbet is basically saying there is no way that the Titans can win this game. I can't see the Roosters losing this game. I actually think the Titans will hang in there again, but I just think they'll, they'll just miss out like they did last week against Penrith. You know, that's an, that's a better performance than last year. I mean, if they can hang with some of these contenders like Penrith or the Roosters, get close to giving them a good match, I mean, that's progress from last year, right? That's all you're asking for. They, they, they've improved. Coach is doing a great job at the time. I think Justin Holbrook is doing a good job. I can re- They got David Fafita. They're playing, not every week, they're not consistent yet, but they are playing better footy. They're getting there. I think. I think they're really. I really feel this time in a few years' time they'll be a decent side. I think now, if they had a run of games, for example, where they were playing people around them on the table, I think they'd win. They'd go on a, a bit of a run. Okay, I don't think there's anything more to say about that. The Roosters in a canter. Five thirty game on Saturday is the Cowboys versus the Raiders. This is up in Queensland Country Bank Stadium in North Queensland. I think the the Cowboys hung in there last week, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, and the Raiders were excellent. The Raiders are playing really, really well at the moment. So. What's your thoughts on this game? My thoughts on this, um, I think same thing. I think the Cowboys will show a little bit, but they just don't... They're too young to win, I think. And the Raiders are playing really well. They're, they're solid across the park. They've been getting better and better. I think they'll be too good. The Raiders are playing I too well at the moment. probably right. Although, I will say... Corey Harawira Naira, a bit disappointed he's left um, the Bulldogs and popped up on the bench of the Raiders. Uh, he, he felt aggrieved by the way he was treated by the Canterbury. No, I, I've got sympathy with the dogs. I've got sim- Dean Pay did that, and that was done to say we don't accept that behaviour here. And in fact, this is the hypocrisy of the Raiders a little bit. A few years ago, they complained that Josh Dugan, Todd Carney, Blake Ferguson... They had to let all these guys go because of cultural issues and off-field issues, and then they got snapped up by other teams. And now they're doing exactly the same thing to the Canterbury Bulldogs. But do, do you think that that's what it was? I think some of that behaviour was to get it, deliberately get out of their contract, was my view. If that's the case, they got what they wanted. Because all of a sudden, randomly, they automatically signed with a team that they wanted to sign for for more money. What a coincidence, right? Now, they're doing exactly the same thing. I've got sympathy with the dogs in this situation, I must admit. And that's coming from a Parramatta supporter. So let's... Let's move on to the next game. It is the Sea Eagles versus the Panthers at 7.30 on Saturday night. This is going to be a great game. I think the Panthers will get them, though. I just think if Tommy Turbo is not back in that team and he had a bit of a setback, I just think they're not the same team without him there. Dylan Walker coming back in, though, is going to be big for Manly Sea Eagles. Now, I'm not sure. He's definitely not starting, and he hasn't been named on the interchange bench either, but... I, I have a sneaky suspicion he might be ready to go. And if he is, that makes a big difference to their team. I just think the Panthers are playing like a bit of a juggernaut at the moment. And, and they're playing with a lot of confidence. And Nathan Cleary's been absolutely superb this year uh, since the TikTok video. So if I'm Ivan Cleary, I'd be I'd be getting him to do a TikTok video ahead of every season. I think it'll be a tough game. But I think to, in the last 20, 25 minutes, the Panthers will pull away. Yeah, I can't see them losing, to be honest. I like the look of Mandy's team. I think with Tom Trebojevic at the back, they actually get quite dangerous as a side, Manly. I'm not entirely convinced with Dylan Walker. And maybe because I remember him as the electric sort of centre that came out for Souths. And maybe that's not his role anymore. Cade Cust seems to be a little bit more yeah, dangerous. I, don't, I, I haven't been as impressed by Cade Cust either. In attack or in defence. I don't think he's been great in a defence. Defence, maybe not. Is this another example of you only watching one half of the game? It is. It is. I think no, it is. it's not. It is. It is. No, it's not. Absolutely not. <laughs> no. You. You, we no. Bo- we, we both know this is true. 
<laughs> it is. No, it's not true. Dylan Walker's defense is very solid. You know what is scary, though? I look at the, the Panthers. I mean, you look at their team. You look at some of the injuries they've got. And even with the injuries, like Edwards is out. They've still got Naden that's come in. They've got Malachi Wateni Zelezniak instead of Brian Toe, who was playing fantastically well. They've got a lot of depth yeah, they do. as well. They do. But the depth is stepping in and really... Playing well. And I think Matt, I think Matt Burton's a great player, too. Yeah. They've, it's almost like they have too many players. So... I think Panthers will win. Adam Fanua Blake. Is he looking more and more like LeBron James every week? Do you mean his forehead? His forehead's getting bigger. He's got the beard with no mo. He probably, you know, he's probably his favourite athlete. In fact, half these guys now, their favourite athlete is LeBron James. And your favourite athlete? Sonny Bill Williams. And Cody Nikarima. SBW Island. Yes. Okay. So we're both picking the Panthers there. Um, the Dogs and the Eels, the traditional rivalry. I think this will be closer than people think. I'm glad you do because I do. <laughs> you know, well, sports bets got them at $1.12. I mean, what I don't know is I, I'm, as an Eels supporter, I'm not letting myself get too far ahead because I'm old enough to remember 2001. I'm old enough to remember 2009. I'm old. Actually, we had a good run in the late 90s, what early about 2005? 2005. Oh, yeah. You had a great run. Brian Smith did an amazing job, regenerated probably three teams. We got North Queensland. North Queensland did us in the preliminary final in 05. We get, to, and I, when we started that game favourite, we beat North Queensland and they gave us trouble throughout the season, but we would have taken the West Tigers because they struggled against us the whole season. Just a match-up thing, I think that semi-final. If Melbourne didn't cheat, you know, it could have been a good era for us in the 2000s, but m- maybe woulda, shoulda, coulda doesn't doesn't give you premierships. So. Melbourne wasn't doing anything that anybody else wasn't doing, and I think they were cheating less than other teams. I, I disagree. I disagree, but you... I totally disagree with you on you that support one. But I think the dodgiest team no. in the comp. So, of course, no. you would. No. You do. You um, do. I don't. You do. You do support the dodgiest team in the comp. Bull, Bulldogs, Para. Um, I hope Para get up. I hate tipping against my team. I'm not going to tip against them in this instance, but I think it'll be a closer game than most people think. Oh, look, the team's playing better. They're outclassed. You look at the team sheet. I think the Eels have just got too much firepower and too much speed. I don't like Jack Cogger and Sione Katoa on the bench. And Suoaso Su. I have no idea why Renoff Tuamanga has been dropped. I can't tell you why. He's one of our best young forwards. I don't understand what he's trying to do with his interchange. We lack a bit of spark off the interchange bench, to be honest. Su is a toiler. Does a good job. Tries hard. But you got Chris Smith, Renoff Tuamanga. They should be there. You either keep Cogger or Katoa, not both. I don't know what Lafay adds that someone else doesn't. So I, I just don't see us having this the firepower to beat the Eels. It's too, too good. I'm obviously an Eels supporter. I think Mike Acevo's carrying an injury. The last couple of weeks, ever since that tackle that cut him in half the other week, just above his knee, he, he looks like he's been carrying a knock to me. But let's hope you're right. Para over the doggies. And our last game is the Storm versus the Knights. I think this would have been a sensational game pre-injuries, but I think I think the Storm will get them now. And this and this game this game's being played at the Sunshine Coast as well, so I think it'll be a great backdrop for the game. I think the Storm with Seve and Olam in the centres. I think Olam's an underrated player. Underrated player. But you know the, the, the Knights aren't terrible. They've got a pretty decent side, but they I don't think they're good enough to beat Melbourne. They'd have to play out of their skin. But like Kurt Mann's had a good season. Pierce has played well. I like Bradman best, but he's eighteen. So he has some great moments and some, you know, 18-year-old moments as a, as a footy player. And Ponga, Ponga's another one of my man crushes. I, I, he wasn't good last week. Again, like, you, you know, people rate Whiten. Whiten was around for a long time before he started to get ultra consistent and 
really develop as a player. He's going to be a great. I agree. He's going to be a great player. He's a brilliant player. He's great to watch, but it's almost like, oh, how come he's not taking over the game every week? Because he's getting paid a lot, G. That's why the expectations are high. I think that's what it is. The expectation's high because of the contract he's on. And I think that's taking away from the fact that, yes, he's played a fair few games, but he's still very young. He likes a bit of polish too. You see him talk in the media afterwards. He's still a kid. He's a kid. Give the guy a little bit of a break. But again, I think, like you said, the money. That contract brings expectations. And I think it's been harsh, some of the criticism on him, to be honest. The guys are so physically strong. And now it's almost like they have to grow into their body and it takes four or five years. You know, uh, that's the way I see. And you see a lot of players develop that way now. It takes them a good, like you said, you always tell me you need to get some run into your legs. You do. They need time. You know, but the contract does bring with it expectation. Yeah, Chris Randall's playing at hooker. He last played against Penrith in the 14-all draw from, from earlier this season, which was an absolutely brilliant game of footy. Um, he had 71 tackles in that game. Is that even possible? Well, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure they didn't make the numbers up. So, I mean, I'm saying that in a, in a, that's a remarkable amount. So, I think they're going to throw a lot of. Ta- I, I think they're going to throw a lot of traffic his way. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he tackles more than 71 times this game. Actually, that might be worth a bet because I think they will throw a lot at him this game. So, all right. So, I think we're both in agreement that it'll be the storm there. Newcastle's headed really in the right direction. They're playing decent football. They got some good players, and I think next year they'll take another step up. The Indigenous community has had a tremendous impact on rugby league. They are the heart and soul of rugby league and they, they've been really an integral part. And I'm really proud of the role the rugby league has played in the Indigenous community and some of the clubs, particularly like Souths, that have got a deep, deep history with the Indigenous community. So we thought we'd talk a little bit about the jerseys and then some of our favourite Indigenous players that have made a real impact over our years of watching rugby league. So do you want to kick off with the jerseys, G? Yes, I've had a look. I, I always love the designs that they come up with every year. And some of them this year, are ama- they're amazing. They're really good. Check it out on nrlshop.com. The, the Indigenous jerseys this year are fantastic. I'm probably not a fan of the Tigers ones, but I think it's, it's a bit harder to see. The, the tiger one, the shark one, just through the colours, just looks amazing. I don't like the Broncos one. The Broncos one, not a big fan of either. I think, again, it's probably because it's hard to see. I love the Para one. I think the Para one's good. I think the Roosters one's great. Manly, the Titans have done a good job. North Queensland's one with the Turtles I really like as well. Not a huge fan of the Raiders one because they've, you know, it's not as prominent. I think I, I love the ones that have got a little bit more prominence. I mean, it looks good, but they all look good, to be honest, but... I like the Dragons one. That is probably, I would say, my favourite. The Warriors one's also um, wonderful, but I, I would say probably pick the, the Dragons one as my favourite. The grey with the dark red, the boomerang, the whale, and just all the patterns, and it's all white and red. It, it looks fantastic. I really like it. Yeah, I like the Warriors one too. Which So which one's your favourite, T? I think my favourite one, I think uh, I'm biased here, but I, I really do like the Parramatta one. I like the colours. I think they've done they've done a really good job. Though. I, would, I don't mind the North Queensland one. I think the North Queensland one looks really great too. You know, ordinarily, I, I sort of like a bit of colour and stuff like that. And it's not really, they're not really colours that would necessarily attract my eye usually. But it looks fantastic. It, it's just the greens and the dark blue. And the sponsor doesn't really take away from the jersey as well. On the Cowboys jersey, I think it looks it looks great. It's a really nice one. And so we were talking a little bit earlier, G, about who are some of our favourite Indigenous players over the years, and we've come up with a little bit of a top five. Should we should we go in reverse order, starting at five and move up to number one? 
I will say up front that I didn't have Arthur Beetson because he was just before my time, so I never saw him play. So he's outs. It's players we have to have seen in our lifetime. So it's basically from 1990 onwards or late 80s onwards. Yeah, mid-80s, mid I reckon. We'll start in reverse order and then we'll talk a little bit about those players that we missed. So This is our favourite five, right? So not the best Indigenous players. For, from my perspective, it was people that made me get up out of my seat. Yeah, that they, they made me get up out of my seat. Yep, I, pro- I will probably give you a bit of an honourable mention five. So I've got, I've got some players outside of the top five that, I, that didn't quite make it for that reason. All right, number five for me was Preston Campbell. He was 27 kilos dripping wet, but my God, he didn't know what he was going to do. And I don't think his teammates, let alone the opposition, knew what he was going to do. And he was an integral part... The Panthers don't win in 03 without Preston Campbell there. I had him at number three. And he was very small. And he absolutely was one of the unluckiest people not to play State of Origin or play for Australia for that matter. Because if you look at the teams that he was on and a big part of, the records are amazing. He couldn't tackle. Let's be honest. He couldn't tackle. So what? The Sharks nearly made the grand final 2001. 2002, same thing. He goes to Penrith. They win the comp. Then they're a contender for three or four years. Then people forget he went to the Titans, and the Titans were phenomenal with Preston there. His speed and his footwork and his ability to beat players, he was just an excitement machine. I loved watching him play, especially when he first came out with the Sharks, when he was kind of a winger slash fullback. In 2001, I would try and watch as many Sharks games as I can because he was just brilliant. Wonderful player. I, I, I miss players like Preston Campbell. Yeah, Preston Campbell, amazing player. He was number five for me. Um, so shall we do this in, in uh, different order? So who did you have at number four? Five. Oh, who did you have at number five? Who did you have at number five? Yeah. My five, people may not remember this. We're a little bit older. I know you will. Um, John Ferguson, Chicka Ferguson. Chicka. He was a winger for the Roosters as a kid. What, what a try in 89. Yeah, and you know, he was like 105 years old by then. I'm not exaggerating like, either. He was, he was like 36 or I something. I think you were exaggerating by him being 105. Slightly. You know, mid-30s and he's stepping four or five guys. No one else scores that try. Oh, fantastic. And Balmain wins. And he, and he, and he absolutely fits the criteria. He was in my honourable mentions, but he was absolutely in my... Get out of his Magic. Seat. Like he would just, his footwork, again, he'd beat players. He he played a few State of Origin games in the mid-80s. He was, as a kid, I used to just try to emulate him in the backyard. You tried to emulate, you tried to emulate Chica Ferguson in the backyard. Well, trying to step around, you know, the hills hoist and, you know, the, the olive trees, the olive trees and the lemon trees in the backyard. All right. Do you want, do you want me to go next with number four? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So... Number four for me is a player that I know you're very fond of, is Laurie Daly. Great player, not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. I loved those Canberra teams in the late 80s, early 90s. They were sup- they were fantastic to watch. And what Laurie did in State of Origin was superb. I just really... And you know what? He's a, he's a little bit forgotten. He's a bit like Peter... No, it's funny to say this about Peter Sterling because he's on TV, but pe- people forget how good a player these people were. Greg Alexander's another one, right? That era of player, there's a few players we've kind of missed that were fantastic players in their day. And Laurie Daly in the centres and then at 5'8", just sensational. Loved watching him play. Great run out of the ball, could kick it. His defence was unbelievable. 
Daly doesn't get talked about that much. A winner, I suppose, is probably the best way you'd put it. Not really remembered as fondly, but I think he wasn't as exciting for me anyway, and I think that's part of it. He wasn't as flashy as some of the other players. No, that's right. But, I mean, I, I, it's just that aura of that Canberra team growing up. And my, you know, I was only 11, 12 years old at that point, and they were just, they were just sensational. I just got such fond memories of Laurie Daly. Who did you have as number four? Just an amazing player. The Tinger Express, Nathan Blacklock. Nathan Blacklock. Now... Oh, mate, here's another one. Absolutely rorted state of origin. Yeah, I agree with that. And if anybody can go on YouTube, go watch the 2001 game between the Tigers and Saints where he scores a hat-trick and wins the game oh, yeah. with an 80-meter chip and chase. Oh, yeah. It just... Does a backflip. I love the backflips. And the weird... and what about oh, the, mate, one he, he the one he used just... to do with Chalk? That was sensational. So I had him a lot higher. He got me out of my seat, mate. I had him at number two. Nathan Blacklock. He'd pop and he roamed around the field. He's just great. And he would pop out. Just everywhere, and let's be honest, we talk about all these players scoring tries now, and he scored 27 tries when it was harder to score tries. Basically, he was scoring 24, 25 tries a year, and he wasn't big. He was skinny and agile, and he used to run funny too. The late 90s Saints team has forgotten how good they were because they never won. They never got over the line. They lost to Melbourne in 99. If they had won, my strong suspicion is we would be remembering them a lot more fondly than what we do. T, maybe in future we'll cover some origin snubs. Blacklock will come up in just, that discussion. Just a magic, magic player. Magic just player. Just magic player to watch. Exciting. Just brilliant. Yeah, he's sensational. Just sensational. Who who did you have? Yeah, you go next. Number three. I had Pre- I had Preston. So okay. we've covered Ferguson, Blacklock. So you do three. Okay, so I, Blacklock was number two for me. That's how high I rated Nathan Blacklock. Number three for me was an immortal. Mal Meninga, what a player. And not older, fatter, my arm's broken. I'm actually going to break everyone by illegally wearing plaster on my arm, Mal Meninga. Do you, do you know that Mal Meninga? Do you reckon he, he was in the WWE or WWF at the time? You know, they used to have like metal under some oh, of their 100%, arm guards. Oh, 100%. Wrestling. Remember how controversial it was in 88? It was in 87, yeah. yeah. So Mal Meninga was number number three for me, but just a young Mal. Mal, I've never gotten up out of my seat the way I did. I th- it was late. I can't remember whether it was early morning or really late at night. In Test 2, in the 1990 Ashes against England, when Ricky threw the dummy and went 70 metres and then passed it on the inside to Mal, I've never gotten out of my seat like I did during that. You see Mal now, and he's the he's he's the terrible commentator, the Titans GM, the Origin coach that did seven in a row and things like that. I I think the younger listeners, he was an amazing player. I wasn't a huge fan of that Canberra side as a kid. You know, as I've gotten older and I go back and watch him play, you watch it with a different eye, and oh my god, what an incredible player! Even when he was older and bigger and bulkier, he was still unbelievably good unbelievable unbelievably good and deserves and this is after 14 years deserves to be an immortal he should have been the first immortal after before Uh, uh, andrew jones after the first four after the first four yeah (laughs) who who did well i had nathan blacklock as number two who did you have as number two ben barber ben barber wow what a player you he was a great player had a lot of off-field issues Yes, and a shame, but 
in probably the last, other than probably Sean Johnson and at peak Benji Marshall and Jared Hayne, there's been nothing like him in the last 15 years probably. I've never seen a player where literally any time he touched the ball could run 80 metres and score a try at any time. He was absolutely amazing to watch. Amazing. The way you feel about Ben Barber, the way you feel about Canberra, I feel about Ben Barber. Amazing player, though. You're right. All the things you described is right, but he left me feeling a bit cold. Maybe because I was a Paris, I'm a Paris supporter. You know, it's funny sometimes when you come across YouTube highlights, and I actually forgot how amazing he was. He's just his, his speed, his footwork, his skill. He was just brilliant. He was absolutely amazing. It's a shame that there were some other issues there to sort of stop him from really doing it for a number of years. Okay. Number one, I know we've got different number ones here. So... We do. We will, for sure. Okay, so I know who your number one is. You go first. Strangely, his hairstyle is kind of coming back in fashion. <laughs> well, certainly amongst the teenagers. Because it was kind of like a fluffy mullet and he had a bit of a bushy moustache. Now, I don't know if people are going to remember who this was. I mean, it's hard to say he's, he was more exciting than Preston and Blacklock and Ben Barber, but Ewan McGrady, a lot of the younger people wouldn't remember Ewan McGrady. It's a dogs fan, but he did win the Rothmans medal, which is pretty much was the highest achievement, individual achievement. For the young kids, the, the Rothmans medal was actually the equivalent of the Rugby League Brownlow. So for those that don't know it, that was actually the most prestigious award. Like the Brownlow, it was voted on by the referees and the umpires in the AFL. So he won it in 1991. Uh, they had to call him. They had to call him to come in. They had to call him because he was, he was incredibly shy and introverted, but... On the football field, just, I don't know how you can describe him. He basically played first grade like he was at the park, playing around with his mates, jogging, changing gears, creating space. He had amazing speed. He was tiny. He was just an amazing player to watch. He could. He was magic. He literally was magic. Passing, speed, agility, but he looked like he was jogging the whole time. He, he only did it for one season, but he was just an amazing player. He did a season and a half, but... It was so memorable that, and it's just his style. That's the thing. He didn't look like he was playing fast. He was in slow-mo while everything around him was going fast. Never really seen anything like him. All right. Now, my number one is Chock Mundine. Because Loza Daly was running <laughs> on old legs, mate. And Brad Fittler running on old legs. Now, I think Anthony Mundine should have played more State of Origins and certainly should have represented Australia. I think he was a very, very very good rugby league player and he was exciting to watch and he used to do things that a half didn't do back in the day remember he used to do a lot of dummy half running as well from 58 yep and he could play he could play anywhere in the back line center wing 58 full back half back and he was unpredictable he could step he could pass he was quick just a fantastic player loved watching chalk play and the cel- the try celebrations with Nathan Blacklock were great. I probably I had a couple of honourable type of mentions outside of that top five, and he's one of them. Same as Inglis and Thurston and um, Cliff Lyons. I got Ricky Walford in my honourable mentions as well. Yeah, it was great to watch, but I don't think we were ready for that type of you know sort of a brash American type of character. No, no, no I think that's fair. the Muhammad Ali character in Australia. It kind of went. It was a bit counterculture at the time, and it caused a lot of controversy. So he probably didn't quite get his due as a result. 
made him a lot of money in the boxing ring. Yeah. We noticed we didn't go for modern day greats like Jonathan Thurston, G.I., Gordon Tallis, Justin Hodges. The game's changed. The, the players you remember when you're 12 to 18. When you're younger. Yeah, it may, they, they're the ones that stay with you, yeah? And it's, it's almost like it's never as good. All right, so that brings us to a close. G, they were fantastic memories. Great recap. And uh, we'll be back with you again next week to cover the wonderful world of rugby league. So... We will. I'll I'll see you then, T, and we'll speak again next week.